It's a psalm of thanksgiving. Shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever and his faithfulness continues to each generation. If you want to know what worship is, dive into the Psalms. They talk a lot about worship, and not just musical worship. That's not just uh, what David and the other psalmists were about. If you really do a study of psalms and with the goal of, hey, I want to learn more about worship, you really begin to learn a lot of what worship is through the psalms. Today we're going to be looking at what worship is. I think it's going to be prudent of us to define a little bit of what is worship. Uh, and we're going to look at the power that is there when we worship corporately. There is power in corporate worship. And if we're not taking part in that, if all we ever are is a spectator of corporate worship, we are missing out. And my argument will be, I think a lot of people who attend church are simply spectators of corporate worship, not engaged in corporate worship together. Because when we do it, there's power in that. Last week we talked about corporate prayer, and just like corporate prayer, worship can be a private thing that you do at home, and it's just between you and the Lord, and, and you do whatever that is, that style, however you worship God, but there's power in corporate Prayer and corporate worship, and we'll talk about that this morning. Singing is one of the most familiar forms of worship for many of us. If someone says, uh, hey, I'm going to go worship the Lord, most of us are going to think, ah, they're going to sing. There's going to be music involved. Or if you hear someone say, ah, I was worshiping at home, most of us are going to think there was some music involved. There was song, there was something going on there. But maybe, uh, I don't know all of your stories, maybe you're a little newer to this whole worship music thing. Uh, it's, it's something that's new to you, and you're not really 100% sure on what this looks like, how to, how to engage. Uh, as I look around, I, I know I stand in the front, so I don't get to see a lot of you um, on Sunday mornings, but um, some of you might need a little bit of training in exactly how to engage in worship music. So uh, I have a little video for you here. I showed this before, uh, but I'm going to show it again. So uh, if you need a little training, here it is.
All right, so now you know how to engage in worship. For some of you, start with the elbow flap, all right? You know, if we can just get that going, man, that would, that would change us. Get that elbow flap going. Uh, obviously, that's a joke uh, if you didn't pick up on that, if you weren't quite awake this morning. But uh, I, I just, I think he's hilarious. If you never listened to Tim Hawkins, you need to because he's a very funny guy. But uh, now, now that you can all up your game in the hand-raising portion of our music and you can <laughs> begin to engage in that way, uh, I just want us to realize that there are countless ways to worship God. Obviously, there's no training. <laughs> we don't have names for our hand raises, okay? Um, that's just a joke. But uh, there really isn't a limit to how we can worship God. Uh, when our heart is in it, many things can become worship. Uh, but I want to just take a moment. I want to point out some of the more common interactive forms of worship. And we're going to take, be taking them right from the scriptures and in the encouragements to worship in those ways. A lot of these are commonly used alongside musical worship. Uh, if you're like me, I like to listen to music. I like to uh, engage with worship music, and that helps me in my worship, but certainly not necessary um, and not limited to just using these for worship. So uh, the first one I want to talk, uh, I want to look at this morning is, um, and again, we're looking at forms of worship, how we can worship God. So these can be private or obviously the whole point of today is to talk about corporate worship. Um, first one we're going to look at is kneeling or bowing. If you didn't know, that's actually encouraged in Psalm 95, uh, for chapter 95, verse 6. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Um, this is one of, uh, in my opinion, uh, when we're listening to music, many of us uh, probably just sit uh, or stand, and that's as far as we go in our worship with God. And yet when we're moved through worship, hopefully uh, music does something. It should move our hearts closer to God. That's the whole point. Uh, we don't play music because we have nothing better to do. <laughs> uh, it's not like we, our team gets together on Thursdays and practices and, and listens and um, fine-tunes their skills because we couldn't think of anything else to do on Sunday morning. We had to fill some time, so we played some music. The point of worship is to draw our hearts close to God. And as we do that, sometimes, hopefully, you're led to a, a position of kneeling or, or even bowing before God and saying, man, I, I can't even stand right now because the reverence I feel for God, I've got to do something about it. Uh, and, and I'd encourage you to engage in worship in that way. Um, that's a worshipful posture is to say, man, I'm moved before God right now. And I'm just going to kneel. I don't know if you've ever been praying and you just realize maybe you didn't start kneeling, but you're like, you know what, I just gotta, I'm going to kneel before God and I'm just going to engage him here because this feels more appropriate. Uh, there will be times as you're moved by the power of God, by you're moved by the Holy Spirit where you feel my current position, whether it's seated, standing, laying down, isn't sufficient for the worship I'm giving to God right now. Uh, and it's cool because it's not always the same. You know, there's not just one position where I can say, well, if you're kneeling, that's where you really meet God. Um, and I know when we think of prayer, sometimes we can think, well, kneeling is the most appropriate form of worship. If you have knees like mine, um, kneeling is not the most appropriate form of worship because all I can focus on is I can't feel my legs. Uh, so for you, different forms, different postures of worship um, at different times may be more appropriate. One of the ones that we don't, uh, some of us probably don't practice very often is lifted hands. Psalm 134 verse 2 says, lift your hands 
toward the sanctuary and praise the Lord. So maybe if you are newer to church and, and you're wondering, why do people raise their hands when they're worshiping? Because sometimes it just feels right. That just feels like what we want. We just have to raise our hands and say, whether it's a surrendering posture or a receiving posture, whatever that is, um, the Bible encourages us, not just in one place, but to raise our hands before God. And we raise them because we're moved through the worship to just, we want more. We want to engage Him, and it just feels appropriate to do that. And we're encouraged to do it. Psalm 63, verse 4. I will praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. I don't know if you've ever been praying. Now, some of you are pretty good as far as um, you get into the worship, you feel close to God, you raise your hands, and you engage in God that way. But have you ever been praying in a way that you just you had to lift your hands up while you're praying? And you were just so into that, and it became this interactive worship where you weren't just talking because there were words you wanted to say, but you were actually engaging with God through worship and prayer, and you just felt, I, I need to raise my hands. Or, or you, maybe you were praying to receive something, and you just got to put your hands out. And, and for me, I, I'm, I'm interactive like that. I, sometimes I need to interact. And so my posture needs to match the worship that I'm giving to God. So lifted hands. It's actually in Scripture. You might not like it, but it's there. So dancing. No stones yet? Okay. Uh, no one threw anything at me so far. Psalm 149, verse 3. Praise his name with dancing, accompanied by tambourine and harp. Now, uh, church historically has kind of been discouraging dancing. I don't know why, because the scriptures tell us to. Um, obviously, there are different types of dancing. There is inappropriate dancing, and then there's dancing before the Lord. And some of you have never done that, and you're missing out. You've never danced before God and just been so enthralled in who he is, just so excited to be in his presence that you were moved to something other than a seated or kneeling posture. And when you feel the Holy Spirit moving you, and sometimes you're just moved to that. If you haven't noticed, some of our, our worship leaders up here, they, they feel the need to move. They sway or, you know, whatever, they're getting into the worship, and some of you might not like it, but... It's in the scriptures that we should dance before the Lord. Now, I don't see us, you know, getting the, the ribbon flyers and dancing in the front, front aisle kind of thing. Um, I don't think that's in our near future, but uh, there is an appropriate dancing before the Lord, interacting in that way. For some of us, reason we're talking about this this morning is because our worship isn't interactive. It's responsive, which can be good, but we've never engaged in interactive worship. And man, you're missing out if you're not engaging in interactive worship with God. Because guess what? He wants to interact with you. He wants this beautiful relationship, this back and forth, this, this more than just seated, this falling asleep while you worship kind of thing just isn't enough for him. And he wants more of you. And some of you, you're so interactive in life. You love to work out. You'll watch workout videos. And trust me, if I put a camera on your TV while you did a worship video or a workout video, you would look pretty silly. Right? I don't know if you ever thought about that, but uh, if you've ever done a workout video and you thought, man, if there weren't any sound or, or uh, video to this and someone just watched what I was doing, it would look pretty strange. Yeah, we're not willing to do that for the Lord. We go to a football game, we watch sports on TV, whatever it is, and we get super interactive. But when it comes to our worship, well, I just want to sit with my hands folded, don't want to raise my voice. 
and I just want quiet. And now reverent worship is great, fantastic, because it's worship. If it's truly worship, reverent worship is awesome. But if that's all you're limiting yourself to, I'd argue you're missing out. There's more to the person of God. There's more to worship than just seated with hands folded. Whether that's walking, I, sometimes I need to pace as I'm praying, as, as I'm talking, maybe I'm just talking to God, and I just need to walk it out. I just need to talk and walk, and it's, whether that's in the woods or whether that's in my basement as I'm just walking and talking, uh, that's what needs to happen. But there's an interactive portion to worship, and I want us to get that this morning. And dancing can be good as we dance before the Lord. David did it, and his wife even scorned him for it. And... and uh, made fun of him for it and kind of scolded him for it. And he said, listen, what did David say? I will be even more undignified before the Lord. He didn't care if anybody liked it or not. And that's where we need to be, church. Some of us could use some of that spirit where we say, you know what? I don't care what anybody else thinks. I'm just going to worship God right now. If that means I need to go up right in the middle of worship and kneel at the altar or the stairs and I I just need to, no one's ever told me to do this, but I'm just going to do this, then do it. Who cares what anybody else thinks? If your worship is to him, then what does anybody else matter? Here, what they think or how they feel about your worship. Engage in worship. Now, the next one's funny because I've heard people complain about this more than once in church, so... And I'm not trying to make people angry, but sometimes the scriptures do that. Psalm 47.1 says, Come, everyone, clap your hands. Shout to God with joyful praise. I've heard people complain often in the church, well, I don't like the whole clapping thing after a song. Why? We're not clapping to the people on the stage. They're good, but they're not good enough for me to clap at them. But God is. I'll clap at God all day. And sometimes we need to do that. Sometimes you just move to, you know what, I'm just going to clap because God is awesome. And we did it today. You know, Christina shared an awesome story uh, with us about something that God did. And what, what were some of you moved to? Immediately, clapping. Why? I don't know. Why do we clap? It's just noise. But it's something that we can give to God that says, you're awesome. Thank you for this. You're amazing. And I just want to celebrate you this way. So, If after a song, one Sunday, you feel like clapping, go ahead. No one else might clap with you. That's okay. Some people will clap just because they're clapping and they don't know what's going on. That's okay, too. But when you're clapping for the Lord and you're giving him that praise, I've heard people, you know, worship leaders always thought it was kind of weird when they say, let's give God a clap offering. I don't know. Sounds like a strange thing to me. But if that's what moves you to worship, then do it. It just doesn't need to be, you know, I know Tim, in the the video, Tim Hawkins gives us like, well, we got names for this, and this is how you do it. That's not what worship is, and yet somehow we think that's what it is. We think we want someone to spell it out for us. We want someone to say, this is exactly how you worship, and we want the the boxes to check and the, you know, those kind of things to do, and it's just not, that's not how it is. Worship is this beautiful, interactive thing where sometimes we're going to be moved to do something. We might feel foolish while we do it, but maybe that's why God's moving you to do it. It's to get you out of your comfort zone and to engage with him in worship in a way that's not quite comfortable. Here's another one. Might make people a little bit angry. Isaiah 12, 6. Let all the people of Jerusalem shout his praise with joy. For great is the Holy One of Israel who lives among you. Shouting! 
That can be worship. Some of you louder people should be saying amen louder because you love to shout. And yeah, all right. Got one shouter here. I got an end clapper. Good. Thank you for engaging in worship this morning. One of the things I'd love to do, uh, and we might do it um, soon, is in the midst of worship to just pause for a moment and say, you know what, let's just, let's just say, like, just, just thank God for who he is. Who is who, how have you seen God work this week? And we just shout out things that God has done. You're awesome. You're great. You're holy. And if you've ever been a part of a service where that, that was part of the service, I've, I have been. And sometimes you just need to do that. You just need to shout out how awesome God has been or you thank him for doing something amazing in your life. And for whatever reason, just telling one other person in a calm and, 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 and quiet manner just doesn't do it. Sometimes we're going to shout that God is amazing and God is awesome and we're so grateful for who he is. And that can be worship. We're encouraged multiple times. Do a study of how many times scripture tells us to shout his praises. And hopefully, maybe, it'll change the way you worship. You want to know why I sit, stand in the front row? Because I can't sing to save my life. And I'm going to shout it no matter what you like, okay? So I figured I'm going to save you all, and I'll just stand in the front row, and then the worship team has to deal with me yelling uh, in the front row. Because that's just, that's part of my worship, is I can't sing, and that's okay. God didn't give me that gift, but it's not going to stop me. And I'm just going to keep singing, and I sing loud, and I sing proud, even though it's not any good. Jesus is the only one that likes it. I think he does. Uh, and that's it. But that's okay. You don't have to be a great singer. Just get into it. Engage in it. And allow God to be honored and glorified through it. Next one is prayer. Luke 18.1. One day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. And there's this form of worship i don't know if you've ever been moved and just in the middle of a song you might be worshiping and god just begins to move and you, you just got to stop singing and you just you start to engage in prayer and for me um, that's why what we call thursday nights is worship and prayer because i love those two together and that's really how god speaks to me is to worship and pray and sometimes i'm singing but sometimes i'm praying and and as the as, as the worship music moves me and sometimes i'm just led to that but whether it's with music or not, prayer is worship as we engage with God. And I would encourage you, whatever your prayer life is, whatever your prayer style is, try changing it up from time to time. If you just have the one place where you pray, maybe take a walk and pray and see what that does for you. Maybe come to the church and walk our facility and pray. Walk through the pews, pray for the people that sit there because let's be honest, we all sit in the same place just about every Sunday. Walk through and pray for the people as you do that. Walk through our foyer and pray for the conversations that will happen in our foyer. Walk through our kids section and pray over these amazing kids that God has given us. Pray over our offices and over the gym facilities and over the hundreds and thousands of people that are coming through our, our fellowship hall right now for the vaccine clinic. Pray for every single one of them that God would do something, that this one interaction that they're having with the church would be this awesome thing that God does in their life. But prayer is worship. And then lastly, of course, is singing. Ephesians 5, 18 and 19 says, Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, 
singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. Do you hear what this is saying? I love this passage because of the dichotomy it has here. Because what does alcohol do? It can control you. Those of you that have struggled with it know very well. It can be very controlling. But what happens? It completely alters your mood, who you are, the way you act. It takes out all your inhibitions, alcohol, which is kind of neat because what's the, what does it tell us to not? It tells us not to be filled with alcohol, but, but to be what? And what does the Holy Spirit do? Takes away our inhibitions, completely controls us, does, makes us act in different ways than we would normally act. It has a similar effect to alcohol, but obviously is not evil as alcohol can be when we abuse it but the holy spirit and when it moves us when it changes us sometimes we act silly sometimes we do things that uh, can be a little bit embarrassing even but when it's for god it just doesn't matter it doesn't matter if you feel like a fool inviting your neighbor to easter or having a spiritual conversation with somebody that you think has no interest in god and you just go out on the limb because jesus tells you to do it but man when the holy spirit moves us moves us to worship. And as it says here, this is encouraging us specifically to corporate worship, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, saying worship corporately as the Holy Spirit moves you, as you're filled with the Holy Spirit, worship together, it's saying. What power there is in corporate worship. So now that we've discussed some of the forms of worship, again, there are countless forms of worship. Your job is worship. Uh, the way you parent is worship. The way you interact with your neighbor is worship. Breaking their leaves can be worship. Anything can be worship when we do it before the Lord and for the Lord. But there are some postures and some forms of worship that I wanted to cover this morning. But I also want to talk about the overarching how. How do we worship in a broader sense? John chapter 4, verses 21 to 24 says, Jesus replied, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Now, I've heard many, many people talk about this. They've, church people tend to mention this verse often and not have any clue what it means. We need to worship God in spirit and in truth. And what sometimes we mean is we, were, we just change the word passionately with spirit and truth. We think, that's what spirit and truth means. Well, if you're worshiping God with spirit and truth, that just means you're going to sing louder and you're going you're to be more passionate. And that's not a, at all what this means, actually. What Jesus is saying is this new thing is happening where we begin to be indwelled with the Holy Spirit of God. And as we engage with the Holy Spirit of God, this new form of worship comes out. And now there's this thing where we worship alongside of God who indwells us and we're worshiping in spirit because we're his spirits in us. And there's this new thing that Jesus was doing. He's saying it's not going to matter if you go to the temple or not. It's not going to matter where you worship because the, the God who indwelled that temple and made that temple holy now is in you. 
and we become this walking temple, and we can worship God in spirit and in truth no matter where we are. Just one of the reasons you've heard me refer many times, I love our building here. I love every inch, square inch of it. I love the stewardship that has gone into this building. Many of you have put long hours and hard work into making this building beautiful, but this building is no more holy than your living room. Because all this is is a place where we meet with God. And in your living room, in your basement, in your prayer closet, in the middle of the woods, God is there. Because he's there in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so wherever we go, we are the temple. And the holy of holies is us now. And so wherever we decide to kneel, wherever we decide to walk, wherever we decide to pray, it becomes for that time, holy ground. But God, Jesus is saying, this is the woman at the well here, and she's concerned because Samaritans can't go and worship in Jerusalem like the Jews can. And he's saying, that's, that's going to be irrelevant. Where you worship will not matter anymore. What's going to matter is that you worship alongside the Holy Spirit within you, and you engage in worship through him. That's what we just read in Ephesians. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, that is worship because you're engaging alongside the living God who indwells you when we engage God with not just our mind and our voice but when we join the Holy Spirit who is within us that is when we engage in true worship and I say this because I think some of us need a wake-up call here because we we come to church on Sundays or even at home we sit and we listen to music and all we are are spectators of worship We listen to other people. We watch other people. We hear other people worship. And we never engage ourselves into the act of worship. We're spectators. And we're often spectators. We come to church every Sunday. We spectate worship every Sunday. But it's been a long time since we've engaged in worship. Where we met God there. Where we were moved to change our posture, to change our attitude, to uh, where the worship changed us in that moment. That's true worship. That's worshiping in spirit and in truth. And if you're not engaging, it's not worship to sit and watch other people worship. You won't find that in Scripture, where it says, watch other people worship. Watch them praise the Lord. And that's your holy act of worship. That's simply not what scriptures tell us. But when we truly worship, we, we do this by giving our lives to God and saying, it's all yours. Do whatever you want. Romans 12, 1 says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. If you think that you can focus on your kingdom and and your comfortability and all of you and still worship God, you're totally missing it. Because unless we're willing to push everything to God's side of the table and say, it's all yours, we won't appreciate true worship. We'll simply be spectators and watch others who are willing to go all in and say, it's all yours, Jesus. 
There's this parable of the, of the pearl of great price, and there's a fantastic video um, that goes along with it, and it shows that this person, they want to purchase this pearl. They see this thing, and it, they can tell it's beyond value, beyond all of the things that they own. They could give everything, and it still wouldn't compare, but the person's willing to part with this pearl for everything, and this person begins to hand over everything they have, everything out of their pockets, and they say, is that, is that good? And they say, no, it's not enough, and so then he thinks, well, I have my car keys, so he hands the, guy, the person the car keys, and still not enough, and then he takes out his house key, and he hands it, he says, you can have the house, you can have everything, and he says, still not enough, and so they finally, uh, all I have left is my family, he says, that'll do, she says, all right, my family's yours, everything's yours, and then he gives them the pearl of great price, which we know to be salvation, and this beautiful thing happens, the guy says, okay, and he pushes everything back to his side of the table, and says, all right, now, this is mine, but you can still use it. But use it for me. Use it for my glory. Use it for my kingdom. That's what Jesus did for us. And so many of us still think it's ours. Our family, our car, our house, our finances, our everything. And somehow we think we're saved when we held on to everything. We made this transaction. Now, obviously, we can't purchase our salvation as illustration is lacking in that part, there's certainly no purchasing of it. But when we said yes to Jesus, it was everything, all in. It's all yours. But much of it, God gave back to us. Now, for some of you, you were very quick to realize, wow, one thing Jesus didn't give back to me were my friends, my lifestyle. That he just threw in the garbage <laughs> and gave me new ones. But many, much of the other stuff he gave back to us. And worship is living in a way that says thank you. Worship is, say, is acknowledging every day that reality. Everything we have is his. And we're simply using it for his glory and his kingdom. God deserves our everything. And that's what worship is. So why corporate worship? Why do we need to do this together? Well, I will give a thousand points to anybody who can name for me the three things I said corporate prayer does for us last week. The points are completely relevant. They give you nothing. Maybe a stuffed bear at the end of this. I don't know. The three things that I talked about last week that corporate prayer can do for us are shared victories, shared hearts, and shared vision. Those are the three things we talked about last week. And don't you know, corporate prayer, I believe, same three principles, just a different act of it. While corporate prayer can give us shared victories, shared hearts, and shared vision, corporate worship gives us the opportunity to celebrate victories, share hearts, and build vision. That's what I believe corporate worship can do for us. Because I, I, as we talked about that story last week where they, they prayed for Peter to be released from prison and Peter was released from prison, and he came, and he showed up, and the whole thing happens, and, and then Peter just continues and moves on with ministry. What happened in that room after that moment? I bet you they didn't sit down, fold their hands, and say, okay, thank you, God. You are good. Always good. I doubt it was a calm celebration of victory. I bet they were shouting. I bet there was some yelling. I bet there was some crying. There was some snot flying. There were some serious things happening in that room because they celebrated a victory of God. And they were very excited. 
When was the last time you were that moved by a victory of God that you made a little noise? Maybe you did a little dance. I don't know what it was that God moved you to in that moment, but when was the last time you were moved to go outside of your comfort zone as you celebrated a victory. Sharing hearts, that's a beautiful part of what worship can do for us as we engage with one another. If you've ever worshiped with other people and really worshiped, man, there's this beautiful thing that happens as you just engage and you pray and, and sometimes you're shouting out the, the awesome victories of God and, and you're just praying and, and you're kneeling down and, and maybe they're praying over you and it's just this beautiful thing where we share our hearts. We're just open before each other and it builds vision as we worship together the vision gets clear because we have more togetherness that happens among us. I would argue that corporate worship is just part of how God wired us. It's just who we are. Do a, 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 one, when I first was going to write this sermon, and the, most of the sermon was going to be all about the corporate part of worship. But honestly, I don't think I need to explain why corporate worship is so important. We know it is. We just simply don't do it enough. It's kind of like eating healthy. We know we should. We just, well, I don't. Uh, maybe you do, but corporate worship is so important to us. When we worship together, it takes our community to another level. It takes the togetherness that we should share to another level. Were you here for our night of worship? I thought they did a fantastic job of leading us to the throne of God. And it was an awesome thing. And I would encourage all of you for our next night of worship to join us for that and engage. Don't just spectate. Engage in the worship. Might not be the type of music you love, but that's okay. You don't, by engage, I don't mean sing. Maybe praying while we worship. Maybe kneeling at the altar while we worship and, and just celebrating who God is in that moment. Whatever that looks like, engage in the worship. Every Sunday morning, we have an opportunity to engage in corporate worship and that doesn't have to be uh again singing shouting um you don't have to have a good voice to do it but we can engage in corporate worship instead of just being a spectator see there's a reason that the early church focused so heavily on worshiping together while they w made an effort to go to the temple and worship together and I want you to read, I'm going to read Psalm 95, verse 1 to 5. And I want you to focus on how much us language is in this portion of Scripture. How much it talks corporately, us, we, how we worship. Psalm 95, verse 1 to 6. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come to him with thanksgiving. Let us sing psalms of praise to him. For the Lord is a great God, a great king above all gods. He holds in his hands the depths of the earth and the mightiest mountains. The sea belongs to him, for he made it. His hands formed the dry land too. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. This is worship. And many of these psalmists knew what it was to worship. And one of the things that God has led me to, uh, a, lot, a lot of years I try to ask God, like, what, what's, what's your focus for this year of my life? What is that thing that you've got your finger on? 
And if you've been a part of Thursday night praise and worship, you've probably heard me talk about this multiple times already. But God has spoken this idea of celebrate to me this year. And as I've thought about it, as I've spent time in it, I look around and I think, man, we forgot how to worship or how to celebrate church. So many churches, we just don't know how to celebrate. Something amazing happens. Like Christina shared this awesome thing where somebody's eternity was changed. And the best we got is this. That's our best celebration. That's how we celebrate. We have forgotten how to celebrate the Lord and his victories and his awesomeness. I would argue many of us don't know what it is to be in awe of God. We just know what it looks like to be a good Christian and spectate. And there's this whole avenue of celebrating that God has for us. I, I know I've talked about the chosen many times, but there's that scene at the wedding where Jesus and the disciples are celebrating. And that's what, I, that's what I think of when I see how many festivals and celebrations God had for his people in the Old Testament. They have so many festivals. Like if all of their festivals were national holidays, for like federal holidays in the U.S., we'd never work because they were always celebrating And they weren't celebrating themselves, they were celebrating God. And God had this pattern of them constantly celebrating who he was. And the church, we've said, that's not appropriate. Church should be quiet and respectful and reverent. And we say that celebrating God isn't reverent for some reason, but it most certainly is. See, certain forms of worship are meant to be a private thing between us and God. I'm not trying to deny that this morning. I want that to be very clear. But there are certain forms of worship meant to be corporate between a faith community. If we only enjoy one of those, we miss out on the beauty of worship. My prayer for us is that we would be a church who knows how to celebrate the victories, how to share our hearts in worship, and how to build vision by worshiping corporately. Hebrews 12, 28, as we close, says, Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe. If that was the way we worshiped, with holy fear and awe, I promise you, seated, hands-folded worship will not be the sum of our worship. Now that might be still the way that we engage in worship, but it won't be the sum total. I promise you God will move you to get up and move around sometimes. You might even have to raise your voice as you shout the celebration of God's victories. If you've never done that, you're missing out on what God has called us to in worship. I pray we would corporately express our awe of God and we wouldn't be concerned with what we looked like while we did it. Let's pray. God, I pray you would continue to impress upon us the importance and necessity of corporate worship. God, I pray as Sunday morning, every Sunday morning, we have this opportunity to engage through musical worship. I pray for some of us who have for months, years, decades, been simply a spectator of worship, 
that we would engage with all of our being into worship. Lord, I pray there would be a Sunday where we get so wrapped up in your presence and the worship that we never even get to the sermon. That's my prayer, is that we begin to be moved in such a way that it doesn't become about the schedule. It doesn't become about uh, moving from one thing to the next, but we get so caught up in your presence that it doesn't matter. We don't want to move from that place because your presence is where we want to be. God, I pray in our private lives, you would move us to worship in a greater, more passionate, more authentic way. Uh, From the person who worships the most authentic in this room, they can go further. And there's more to learn. There's more to draw out from from your being and who you are. I pray we would do that. But I pray the foundation that you are building here would be built partly on authentic, passionate corporate worship in all of its forms that we would worship and be in all of you together. God, I pray we would be moved to worship you in greater and more passionate ways before you. And for others who worship for them is just noise. It's just movement and it's noise that you would move them to still worship, that they would fall on their knees before you and instead of moving in noise and activity, they would simply be moved by your presence. That however we see worship, you would increase our understanding today. And that we would engage in that on a corporate level. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So I want to invite you, Thursday night, 6 p.m., corporate worship and corporate prayer. You can be there, be there this week. And I also want to encourage you, there's only two weeks till Easter, all right? Two weeks till Resurrection Sunday. We have cards on the table out there. Grab a couple. If anybody hands you something, hand them a card. Invite them to church on Easter morning. Have a great week.